moment as the Wheel of Time turns, where we unravel the weavings of Amazon's Wheel of Time. We are doing a review pod of the third episode of Amazon Prime's Wheel of Time TV series. I am BJ. I am Nibelis. I am joined by some of my chosen cohorts. Um, let's start with Lee. How are you doing? Hey, doing well. Happy to be here. Uh, Sarah? Also doing well. Um, excited to talk about this episode. Um, and since this is an audio format, you can't see that Sarah is wearing a lovely getup, very much looking like a tinker. And we are finally joined by Bree. Hi. Who is also looking lovely with a very Nynaeve-esque braid and um, some Two Rivers clothing, we would say? Yes. Okay. Very much yeah. a shawl and, you know, has the whole dress going. All, all sorts of things. I was going to dress like Matt, but it was a little cold. <laughs> a, little, a little cold, needed a new job. A little chilly. Yeah. Didn't, didn't have the uh, fur-lined leather coat that you really wanted. And, you know, we'll just uh, figure out what we're going to do. Um, so we have some segments that we go through. Um, we uh, first are going to start off with a recap that is uh, done by Lee. Then we have Tavern Ooh. of the Week that is hosted by Bray. She is the uh, decider on that one. Then we're doing Gleeman's Corner where we uh, look at dialogue and scenes that were our favorite of the week. And then lastly, we uh, throw it back to Lee uh, with novices' notes and Dragon Power Rankings. Uh, since we don't know who the Dragon Reborn is. Who is time. the Dragon Reborn? Um, before we get... <laughs> um, or the King of the North, or any of those other things, if you listen to our other pods, Lee, I hear we have uh, other content that they can check out. That's right. Uh, it's the Mangum Talks podcast. We have a number of podcasts we do. A lot of TV review podcasts. We have a couple general interest podcasts. So just go to your favorite podcast platform. Probably the one you're listening to now. Type in Mangum Talks. That's M-A-N-G-U-M Talks. You can also go to mangumtalks.com. Good times. Are we ready for the recap? I think we are. Woo! All right, let's do the recap. It's Wheel of Time, Episode 3, A Place of Safety. Which is like, stands in contrast to the last episode, right? They literally went to yeah. like one of the unsafest places in this known world. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Well, that we know of. Right. But so, Well, yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> yep. One thing I like to note is what they include on their recap of the previous episode. I always think that's yeah. really mm-hmm. important. Yeah. yeah. So in their recap of the previous episode, there's a huge emphasis on the dragon. This concept, the lore of the dragon. They really want you to know this idea of there's the dragon reborn, here's the backstory. I get the sense that that's like absolutely imperative that people understand that because um, they're not going to understand the motivations of the characters or what people are doing without it. So they really had a heavy emphasis on this idea of the dragon reborn and the one power. Also, Moraine's injury and the fact that she's getting weak. They, they sort of ended the recap with that. Mm-hmm. So then we jump to the episode. We start with a flashback of Nynaeve getting taken by one of the Trollocs. This is a flashback, obviously. Mm-hmm. She's unconscious and gets dropped. This is a strange fucking scene. These Trollocs, man. Uh, I, I don't know <laughs> if you get more information about them in the books, but they are weird. Because So what happens is the Trolloc that brings Nynaeve in, totally fine Trolloc. I would say 100% Trolloc. Then we have the other one seems in the 60% range, seems very injured, this Trolloc. And it's like up against a wall, hurting. Yes. And the other, the the, the Trolloc that had Nynaeve seems to walk over like, I'm thinking he's going to help him. And instead disembowels him and starts eating him right there. So a couple things we pick up about the Trollocs. One is do not mind killing each other. Uh, Not a healer, I guess. And then two is they're cannibals. They will eat each other. Yep. Uh, A lot of like blood in the water, shark turning on each other, stuff Mm. like that. That's pretty classic Trolloc. Battles are hard. Need a snack. 
Okay. Gotta keep gotta, up gotta, the energy. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And no time for the week, apparently, in the Chalik no, Army. No, no. And apparently, people to spare. Like, if I was one of these eyeless, I'd be a little concerned. You'd be like, how about y'all don't <laughs> kill each other? Y'all are like my army. Uh, a little concerning. But then we see uh, Nynaeve, she wakes up, she takes off, starts running. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to note about when she's running that I thought was very smart, I don't know if she meant to do this or not. When she's going down a very steep hill, she rolls. I'm just going to say for anybody out there getting chased, just a little general uh, mm-hmm. feedback. If you're getting chased and you're going down a steep hill, try the roll. I mean, you you save some energy and she seemed to speed up a little bit. Yeah. I do think she actually hit a rock and did a trip. But well, there you go. The, it, it was okay for fortuitous, yeah. I would say. But I think yeah. it was. I think it's a good move, right? She seemed to save a little energy. She eventually gets to a cave. This I think this is the same cave we saw before. Yep. Yeah, that, cool. Yeah, that moraine. Uh, came and talked to her in and she gets into the water and the way she gets into the water she's able to sort of hide a little bit from the trollocs but she's not mm-hmm. completely like invisible right it just mm-hmm. depends on the angle the trollocs at to if he's going to see her or not and trollocs starts looking around i guess he can sense or smell or just guesses that she's in the pool so he gets down in the pool so this is more evidence that the problem that trollocs have is with deep water not water itself mm-hmm. they can get in water they just can't swim yeah so he gets in there and he starts jamming around like he's you know gouging for trout or something he's just <laughs> banging back and forth and uh our girl naive really cool scene head mm-hmm. kind of slowly comes up through the water you see her hair and she's to the back of the truck thank goodness and then she disarms the truck takes the takes the knife dagger kills him right there in the pool and we see the the blood run in the pool which i thought was pretty cool we see her get out of the water flips her hair back Woo! <laughs> badass music and then we're done with the cold opening. Yes. So uh, one question and then one comment. The question is, how do you feel about Nynaeve's running? Because we already had, you know, Perrin was, was an awkward runner. Is Nynaeve a good runner? Or, or <laughs> you know, how's the form here? Yeah, the, very good point. So Perrin, later in this episode, keeps his hand down when he walks fast. He does this with this guy, the character. <laughs> yeah. hand keeps down. But the question is about Nynaeve. Uh, I think she's a good sprinter. Okay. I would not use that form for long distance running. A lot of wasted movement in the upper body. Yeah. Yeah, that's my um, take. So the comment is, I don't know if you noticed that there was a pattern to the blood in the pool. Um, and this is a repeated Is motif. it the dragon tooth thing? Yeah. Sure it is. It's the, the dragon's fang. So it's the other side. So it made the, the symbol of the Sedai. So on one side is sort of the flame. It's a yin-yang. And so the blood formed the uh, dragon's tooth. Now, Brie, you, yep. you knew to look for that, presumably, right? Cause yeah. You knew, I mean, did, but did you notice it on the first viewing? Yes. Okay. Did you? No. Okay, I didn't either. All right, so, but it's now something I'll look for for sure because yeah. I know the I know the the shape now, and all of a you know casual viewers should know it too because they really focused in on that the livestock the deer yes. that were killed yep. that we saw that the trollocs had clearly done yeah. and that that is the shape BJ's talking about. So yeah. what that is, look for that. I guess. Yeah. So it's a yin yang shape. Sometimes they'll have only one side. Sometimes they'll have only the other. Um, in the books, and it, it's. Uh, the flame side, the white side with the tip pointing up is sort of a little bit more uh, associated with Aes Sedai, also associated with good, as opposed to the black side, the dark side associated with the dragon, associated with evil. Um, And we do get a little bit of this, that since the dragon broke the world, he's sort of considered evil. Um, And then we're getting a little bit of the dichotomy of not so much evil as opposing the dark one and sometimes bad things happen right and i think that if you from what we can tell in these first three episodes the general population is quite confused about who's good and who's bad in this deal yeah we get, Which we get, seems reasonable. get a lot more yeah. of that yeah. later on 
But this is high fantasy, so symbols are very important. So I would say look for that going forward. One of the things I like to do in all my review podcasts that have a cold opening is to time the cold opening. So this started at about 1.40, went to 5. So the cold opening here is about 3 minutes and 20 seconds that we got. It I'm felt about, long. Yeah, 3 it minutes and 20 long. seconds is pretty long for a cold opening for a show. I'm going to continue to track that to just kind of see how that goes. So, oh, go ahead, no, go for it. I was just going to say, there was one thing that I wanted to highlight about this cold opening that I really, really liked that they did. We have seen a lot of Trollocs in the first two episodes, but it has frequently been kind of en masse or in the dark and in, like, um, frenzied situations. But um, what this cold opening allowed for when they got into the pool, um, into the sacred pool area, was you had a more lit Trolloc individual not moving around so much so you actually got like a real sense of what these guys are what they look like yeah. what they look like how big they are specifically and individually that felt purposeful to me because we've gotten like just kind of big yeah groups of them before. so one of the things that i Agreed. wanted to point out there is i don't know if you noticed but the trollic has blue eyes and they're mm. very human looking I did not notice that. And I think they on purpose used someone that had blue eyes for that Mm -hmm. because that's something that is supposed to be a feature of Trollocs that they have features from different species, Mm -hmm. including humans. And that's a very human feature. Right. Yeah. Um, So that was really cool. The other thing that I wanted to talk about is that Nynaeve, when she comes out of the water, um, it it reminded me of like Jurassic Park, like the like a dinosaur <laughs> raising you know yeah, from the absolutely. water. Yeah, and I was like, oh, she's a hunter. I had very like Medusa vibes. From yeah, her there, there you too, go. Because she has the multiple braids uh-huh. too. At some point, at some points, and like yeah. Well, they were obviously very. going for sort of like she's a badass thing because mm-hmm. she does the the braid flip and then she gets the powerful music in the background. Yeah, right. Of it, right. Yeah. So, quick question. You, did you time the other two episodes? Do you remember about well, they, the first one? There, there was no right. There was, yeah, there was, there was yeah. nothing, and I think this was longer than the first one. I think the first one was in the two minute and 20, 30 second range, something like that. Okay, yeah. Uh, so we cut back to the show. Cut back to Nynaeve with a blade over Lan's throat. I said at the end of the last episode, I didn't think this was a bright move from Nynaeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, this bears out. She <laughs> asks where her friends are, and Lan says, "How did you find me?" She asked uh, what he did to them. Land quote, you think you know this world. You know nothing. The Dark One is coming for your friends, and Moraine has fought its forces with everything she has. So, I mean, he's he will fight for Moraine, and if he's got to do a little PR battle, we'll do that too. <laughs> Nynaeve asks if she cares about the kids so much. Uh, Nynaeve asks if, if she, Moraine, cares about the kids so much, why did she leave them? Land says, she didn't. I did. If you can't notice, completely unconscious. Vegetative state right here. She's not uh, going anywhere on her own power. Nynaeve doesn't seem to know what to do with that. Lan says she can't move, let alone find them in her condition. You, Nynaeve, are a healer. She's like, you think I'm going to help her? He said, you will if you want to find your friends. Lan then walks directly to the dagger and presses it against his throat. See this a lot in media. Never seen a person do it in real life, though, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, open blade, just walk up to it and let it like hit the chest and keeps kind of daring the person to do something. Uh, then we have this quote, we both know that you won't do it. This really seems to piss Nynaeve off. So oh, she does. She lunges. like mm-hmm. she, she takes a swipe at him. And of course, Lan completely flips her around. No problem. Says, you tried to kill me. Disarms her. Clocks her in the back of the head. It's good night, Nynaeve. I'll say this. Here's my... Here's my. Well, actually, you have, you have something. She like, bit ahead. him. Yeah, she bit yeah, him. Yeah, so it was, it was more than like she, he immediately clocks her. Because it's... 
she's still struggling after like he's disarmed her mm-hmm. and like has her in a headlock and it's just like all right well if you're gonna keep biting yeah no, there's this moment kind of where he loses patience and just yeah. like this yeah. is we i'm done with this interaction i think we need to be like i i always think i need to be careful about this like i'm not trying to like infantilize the woman in this situation right but mm-hmm. there was vibes of like little kids settled down and i think that's not necessarily because of naive because we've seen that she can hold her own yeah it's to show how powerful lan is right like yes. when he put when she put the blade to his throat i am fairly certain from what i've seen on screen that he could have disarmed her then but he does not view her as an enemy he views her as a very confused ally and so here's my question to the group. Like, would it have just been better for Nynaeve to just say, hey, Lan, uh, Lan, uh, Nynaeve over here, sorry, just didn't want to scare you. Um, hey, I'm alive. Uh, you know where my friends are? Do, Sarah, what do you think would have got, what, how, how do you think Lan would have reacted to that? Would it have been better than whatever horseshit she concocted in this situation? I mean, I, yes, I think that the answer to that has to be yes, because this did not end end well for her. And as we have talked about, it was never going to end well for her. However, I don't think that we have any evidence that Nynaeve as a character has that gear of let's sit down and talk about this in a reasonable way. I mean, she screamed at a goddamn Trolloc, so. Yeah, I think I called it like unbridled or unreserved anger like last episode. So it's just constant, just rage. Yeah. Uh, So... I will say that there are things in the books where her abilities are impressive to Lan and other people, and especially like it's about impressive. And, yeah. yeah, and so they have the, you know some of this conversation a little bit later, um, and so I think that they wanted to keep that through line uh, cool. in the TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a it's a key scene in the books. It doesn't play out exactly like this, but the fact that Nynaeve shows up and she essentially surprises Lan mm-hmm. is a huge deal in the books. And so keeping that in, I think, is is key. Yeah, I agree. I think that the for, for Lan, he's not used to being tracked. And so no, the fact that she tracked him yeah. was immediately impressive to him, and that right. was pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know that he, she necessarily, even to get that surprise and reaction, I don't know that she necessarily had to go hold a knife to his right. throat. But also, this is this is a hundred percent naive. Like, yes. to be like, all right, what can I do? Immediate aggression. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't true. trust you. I don't like you. You have I'm something go I want. Picasso. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We cut. So, in other podcasts that I do on the Mango Talks Podcast Network, uh, I do review shows with my co-host Spencer, who is not on this podcast. Spencer likes to teach me internet phrases because I'm not on the internet all day, like Spencer. I just like I got a life and stuff. And he taught me the phrase shipping. This means you relationship someone by like willing it into existence through the internet and Reddit. I'm shipping a Gween and Perrin. I'm just gonna go ahead and say it right now. That's you're, it. You're shipping them. I'm shipping them. Absolutely. You like this pair. I like it. Absolutely. Hundred I like it way better than a Gween and Rand. Sick of that already. Two episodes <laughs> in, tired You're of those done. two. Can, I, I, think these can two, I ask a clarifying yeah. question? What? Are you really shipping um, Egwene and Perrin, or are you just shipping Egwene with anyone other than Rand? No, I mean, well, there's there's a little bit of both, right? Because I'm, I'm obviously sick of Egwene and Rand. Okay. I think we all should be. I think this should be <laughs> something that we can all agree on. Mm-hmm. But... There's some like really kind, yes, good wholesome scenes between these two, which yes. we're about to get into. So, are you clarifying, Sarah, that if Egwene was in the woods with Matt, mm-hmm. 
would you be down with this? Probably not. I mean, I, I would if there was a hint of it. I, I would probably mm-hmm. root for it. I'm not quite sure. I would lead with. I'm shipping these two the way I'm doing Fair. my parent. Fair like, enough. I just okay. think that there's some vibes here. Parent there's some serious quickly, vibes. You know, just you know, get get through the stages of grief. You know, look at you split. You've had you've had an episode. This happens now. all the time. People lose a spouse and start dating quickly right afterwards. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, it happens all the time. Rebound, girl. Yeah, they. Well, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to diminish what they have. Uh, and then they see, so they seem to see him be in some sort of like plane or like frozen. I don't. It's not really a tundra, but people would maybe call it like a frozen yeah. tundra. Type a lot thing. of wind it's coming through. Yeah. yeah, it's very cold, and they hear the wolves. If you didn't listen to the last episode, I debuted a theory that the wolves are not bad. They might be. That's just my theory. They're not bad. Aguin is concerned that the wolves are following them. They come upon some brush that they can hide behind, and Matt, or not Matt Perrin, uh, absolutely trying to light that fire just got a stone <laughs> and a knife and he is going so hard he's literally cutting himself trying to get this thing lit because i guess multiple reasons right one they're fucking cold but two they're trying to scare off the wolves i guess mm-hmm. um Aguin, trooper that she is little hand magic whoop, whoop, starts the fire uh he finally looks at her and he's like was that me or you uh, if you wouldn't mind channeling us some food or water so i like this i like the line because he acknowledges that it was her but he doesn't seem like offended by it. He's like, mm-hmm. he like, like makes a joke about it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, it does seem like the fire is helping them in their spirits, though. Perrin asks her if she thinks the others are all right. And Aguin says she doesn't know. But she knows where Rand will go. He'll go home. Perrin's like, mm, eh, eh. They can't go home, first off. Uh, but they won't go home either. And Aguin, how do you know that? And Perrin goes, well, because I know Rand. And he'll go where he thinks you're going. And this seems to lift the spirits of Aguin a little mm-hmm. bit. Perrin tells her he'll keep watch, but uh, come on over. A little snuggle party. Uh, got to keep warm and get some rest. Now, I, <laughs> I am shipping these two. Uh, I, I, I make nothing of this snuggle here. No. I mean, it's just two cold people. I mean, yeah. it, any, any human beings would do the same thing. Yes. I don't think we're meant to read anything romantic into that. Yet. <laughs> Yet. All right. All right. We'll get there. Maybe. We'll, there. we'll see. Cut to Nynaeve, who is now tied to a tree with her mouth covered. So, <laughs> didn't work out super great for her. I mean, or did it? I don't know. But she's tied to a tree and she's got her mouth gagged right now. We see Moraine and she is out of it and pale. And, yeah. And they do it's a really good job. Rough. She looks real rough. And they do a good job of showing her long enough that you can see the shallow breathing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really, really Are you watching with subtitles? Yeah. Okay. Because it, it does have that in the subtitles. It's a shallow like breathing. breathing or, and Light stuff breathing. like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, Land comes up to Nynaeve, takes her mouth cover off, and gives her some water. Uh, I'll tell you what I don't. I, here's here's let me pause here. I got another little thing I want to talk about. Here's some, there's something I don't like about Lan. All right, love the character. Your guy. Yeah, my guy. Absolutely. How can you not like Lan? But he's of Asian descent. The actor, and they made him look like a fucking samurai. Like I think this is going to confuse a lot of people. I I can't. I, it doesn't seem to me to be like in this world he is of some sort of like samurai. Like I don't think they're going for that. Right. I think he's a. Di- it's a different thing. Like. They're not like playing on a samurai trope here, it, from what I can tell. Maybe they do, but from what I can tell, they're not doing that. But yet he looks like right out of a Bruce Lee movie. So I, it's yeah. the costuming that I'm like, ah, eh, they maybe could have done better with that. So I think they are, um, and I think you'll see that. And I think because you either didn't watch the trailers or don't remember, like there is a whole group of people that have this look that you saw in one of the teaser or trailers. Um, and I think we will get there before the season ends. I don't think I watched a trailer. I think I took acid. 
I think I had a, a, some sort of like, weird vision. Some sort of trip. I, that trailer was nonsensical. Now the second, yeah. the one that we released right up before it was was close. Yeah. So I think it was in the teaser, and it was like one of the like second and a half like flashes that you get. So like I'm not saying that you so, should remember it, but like yeah, it, well, it was there. So what I'm hearing from it you, it was all, also in the trailer. There okay. was a second. Yeah, I'm not gonna remember yeah. that. But uh, one thing. I, so what I'm hearing from you all is. It's not necessarily bad to equate that with the sort of samurai type thing. Correct. Not at all. Okay. This was an intentional choice. His hair is an intentional choice. Um, and his little um, band I, around his yeah. head yeah, yeah, is okay. intentional. So all of that, the, it all fits with a certain nation in this world. It just because he was of the actress of Asian descent, I thought it was hokey. But if it, if we're if it's okay to make that connection, I'm cool with it. I mean, we'll see what they do with it. Yeah. Yep, Nynaeve says, uh, if I help her, she best give me the answers I want. Very funny when I'm watching this, I paused it to write my notes to get Nynaeve's quote down, and I said, I don't think she should be making any demands. <laughs> Very next quote from Lan, are you really in a position to be making demands? <laughs> Nynaeve, it's not a demand, it's a threat. She's going to die without treatment, you know that. I don't see another wisdom around here, do you? Cut to Nynaeve going through the forest, picking up flowers uh, from the woods. So it's very clear that her healing is very different than the healing that Marine does, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lan watches her work, which she takes issue with. Do you really need to be watching me? She's mad all the time. Nynaeve, you want to ask to just ask. Lan says, you tracked me all the way from two rivers to Shadar the Gulf. How'd you do that? How did you track me? This is clearly stuck in his crawl. He's mm-hmm. not used to this. Mm-hmm. He covers his tracks. This is this is strange to him. Nynaeve, I said you could ask, not that I'd answer. Now, I will say this. I think Nynaeve should just throw a lot in with this crew and just set, like let the guard down. But if you're not going to do that, then withholding a little bit of that IP that you have, probably smart, right? Yeah. Like she's got a little bit of something that he doesn't have or at least doesn't know about. So it's probably smart for her in her current mindset to reserve that. I yeah. would also point out this, it struck me on the second watch, I think, although it was kind of niggling at me um, earlier. Nynaeve, in the, in the course of between escaping, killing the Trolloc and escaping, and the super important, all important thing that she has to do, track Lan and find her friends, costume change? Okay, so I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> She's totally wearing something different and clean. Yes, okay. not only that, but her hair is completely redone. Yes, yes it and is. And like, well yes, done, not just, I redid it in the you know rush that everything happened. And she went back and got a horse, like all of that stuff. Let's assume the best about the show, and let's, say, let's assume it's intentional. Then in world canon, are we meant to believe that the Trollocs just sort of, when the when the four left, the Trollocs just sort of left two rivers and she was able to go back into her home? Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. that is and accurate. It's days later. So it, it's not like, you know, we're just assuming that for like a week or two she's been traveling the same thing and grungy. I mean, if... She's not mad, for God's sakes. Right, exactly. She's not mad. And, yeah. and, and so <laughs> I think like it would be reasonable canon that she went back and I bet if you're right, she might even confirm that the Trollocs didn't go back to the two rivers or left the two rivers shortly after they left. That might be a way for her to confirm it, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah because obviously I went back in my home. I got this fresh Carhartt on. It's really solid. Yeah. New Tim's. I'm looking good. I Listen, I think that there is an explanation for why this would have happened. I just think that, like, the, the urgency that Nynaeve has been, like, approaching to yeah. function with uh, would have been more believable if she had left immediately with just a horse from Two Rivers as soon as she found out that her friends were gone. Right. Not stop, redo the hair, take a bath, 
I mean, you guys think about the change. Like, I think but, it's just more evidence. But those, well, so, yeah. those braids are fairly intricate, and even somebody yes. that is an experienced braider, like, that's going to take some time. And I would also, this is this is also a little bit of a larger issue I take with how they are portraying these characters as they are traveling. They're all too clean. Like, by the time we get to where we are, they are all too You're clean for what they, yeah. 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 It, and it's sort of like, that's gonna be but a she is issue. real fresh at this point. Yeah. Well, and it's like, well, okay. I feel like, so first of all, that's a good point, and I didn't even notice that she had changed, but uh, I think, like, maybe what we can take from this is that this urgency that Nynaeve is talking with, like, let's take Nynaeve and let's, like, put her, like, in our world. Like, mm -hmm. if she was at a drive through line, she'd be like, you're going to give me a fucking Big Mac and you're going <laughs> to give it to me now. Like, everything is, like, I think, like, you, you're saying she, like, you're, you're saying, yeah, exactly, okay. it's, it's all the time, mm -hmm. right? Like, that's, that's always her, she wants something, she wants it now, goddammit, it's the most important thing in the world. And so I think that there are some parallels between her and Moraine. Moraine is is softer oh, in yeah. this, mm -hmm. but very much a you're not a woman that hears no very often. Yeah, I am not. Yeah. Um, and so the other thing I wanted to say about the quote that you had about her is I feel like it softens a little bit of her anger with humor, um, and it wasn't just a. Yeah, I said you could ask, not that I'd answer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because she had like a little bit of a, a smile or a smirk. Yes. She was, she and was... and so it, it is humor, and it and it it does gentle it a little bit. Well, she's probably impressed if she's if she ever lays her cards down, which she won't do. But if if she would, she's probably a little bit impressed that like Lan disarms her, doesn't hurt her, and his only interest is getting Moraine fixed. Right. Like he he just wants to help her. It's clear that's his only like that's that's kind of an impressive thing I would think if you're coming at it from a good right. place, right? Cuts and I need treating Moraine. She's basically, basically what she's doing is creating a solve, what I can tell, uh, to pack the wound to help the infection. It seems like more of a medicinal approach as opposed to mm -hmm. a magical approach is mm -hmm. what I'm getting. Right. Nynaeve turns to Leanne. I've heard about the bond between an Aes Sedai and a warder. More on that, I'm going to ask some question, canon questions here. That you can feel what she feels. Mm. Well, get ready because this is going to hurt. Um, so... Here's, I'm going to give you my take of what I saw on the screen, and I'm going to ask if this is something you want to disabuse me of with book canon, or if we just let it let it run. It seems to me that there is the lore out there that the, the Warder and the Aes Sedai are very close. They basically can feel each other. It's pretty clear that Land cannot feel what she's feeling, like literally. I think it's just a saying that she's sort of appropriated and sort of just thought. Like She's like, she heard that, and she's like, well, maybe that there's some truth to that, so I'll go ahead and warn him. But when he, she packed, when he, when Nynaeve packs Moraine's wound and like gets the pus out of it, looks like it's something that might hurt. Lan doesn't seem like he's really hurting. So there's a joke that Lan is stone face, so I wouldn't take uh, Lan's reactions to things as normal in the world, particularly pain. Do we think so? There is so okay. All right, I got you. We'll have to see what the show does. I yeah. mean, right. there's the book lore, which is is different. Um, and so there are a lot of things that they're diverging on and I'm nervous that they're diverging so much so soon. This makes me nervous. I, I mean, but, I, book people, you might, it might not make you as nervous as it makes me, but like, I keep hearing from you all. Like, I'm like, well, maybe the book answers this and y'all are like, well, fuck I, I know. Well, and I mean, that's, so, that's kind of a bad sign. Three episodes. But in. here's the thing. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, is that essentially a lot of the changes that they've done yes they are big changes and i think that's where a number of people are kind of upset about them however in the grand scheme of things what they've changed means that they're trying to keep true to the soul and the and the heart of the books and the characters and i think they're doing that reasonably well so i think even though yes there are changes it's not changes that are going to like functionally alter 
the span of the books and the arc that everybody goes through. Okay. And the other necessary changes to to facilitate the movement of plot. Right. Mm Because there's a lot of internalized stuff that you're just not going to see on screen or it's going to look terrible. Okay. Makes sense. And so a lot of the the intricacies like that and what you're talking about is either somebody's point of view where, you know, oh, like, I felt that or I I, I saw that or whatever else and we're just... Either the, the actor or, or actress is going to like show that like on their face or, or with a reaction, or they're not, and so it's hard to tell now like some of those things like where they're going with it. Yeah. And I think it'll be more clear as they go on because they're going to have to show all those things rather than have that point of view. Okay, Makes and sense. I would also just say that like a lot of what you know we, especially Brie and BJ, have been because you are much more steeped in this world than than I am. But a lot of what the changes have been thus far have been a sort of slimming down of the the lore just to make it accessible. palatable and accessible. I would say streamlining. Right, like, yeah. Okay. Really yeah. streamlining. Because this is um, bigger lore than, than Game of Thrones and probably around on par with, uh, like, Fellowship type. I mean, where, like, there are 14 books and then three or four companion books, and, and it's big. Well, yeah. and the other thing there, too, Sounds is Malazan-ish. that... it Hopefully a little bit more digestible than that, Malazan, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, Shots at Malazan. It's, yeah, that first book was rough. Um, but the other thing to point out, too, is... So what was really neat is with the character building is that Robert Jordan, even characters that you see once for five seconds in the book, have pages written about them in Robert Jordan's notes. Like we don't necessarily have access to those, but everybody has like a real well thought out motivations, backstory, Mm -hmm. all the things. And so there's so much that is in this world that there's just no way to have it all. It's gotta be. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Okay. And so, you know, either this is some of, you're just seeing like a water on, on the uh, very edge of the bell curve. Like I would say Lan is sort of among the best. And so, like, how he interacts with the world is just going to be a little bit different than everybody else. So it could be some of that, and it could be some streamlining. So we just don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Interesting. So we get a fairly gross scene in Nynaeve popping the sword and trying to get some pus out of it. I'll just admit this about myself. I don't mind admitting things about myself on the podcast, like, to be honest here. Uh, That's so... What is it? satisfying to Cathartic, me? Cathartic, like, yeah. Yeah, the, the, mm-hmm. the pus, like getting the thing out. Like, yep. like if I've got like a like a, something and I'm like popping a, a bump and I get the, like the pus comes out of it, I feel like a new man. I'm like, my God, I fixed myself. I, I think Bree's favorite thing in treating horses is, is, is emptying pus-filled sores or whatever and, and, and infected hooves and all this gross stuff. And Good, her, I get her, it. Her I main totally get it. complaint it is very about this was... There wasn't enough pasta. Yes. Yes. Not quite right. Agreed. There wasn't enough pasta. And the color was completely wrong. But you can write that off as it's a trollic poisoned wound. Anything could be. And so the. There you should know, have been more, though. Kind of yes. more serious green liquid, mm-hmm. which is absolutely not something you would ever get from an infected wound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is the type of content you get here on Mango Talks. <laughs> yeah, the, the if you were wondering what differentiates us from yes. other podcasts you consume, here the detailed, <laughs> purulent discussion. Yeah, let somebody else break down the pus color. That's right. <laughs> oh. uh, so Maureen, not looking good here. Completely pale, barely breathing. Duncan Cheek, anybody? Anyway, unconscious. Nynaeve then says, now we give it time. So Lan looks at her kind of confused. 
So here's what I took from that. It seems to me the land's used to Moraine's healing, which is like, ta-da! Like, and this is a different type of healing. And mm-hmm. he's like, fuck, this is like, this is different than I expected. She's not like back with us right away. And there's some uncertainty around it. So right. I think it's yeah. it's creating uh, some, like, uh, he's uh, on, on not on solid ground here, Land is. Mm-hmm. And that's the look I think he shoots Nynaeve. Cuts a parent. Yeah, the other thing I would say there is that he doesn't really have any idea of what she might be capable of because I think Moray may have mentioned, yeah, so we just don't know if Lan knows what Moraine knows. So Moraine knows that Nynaeve can channel shit. I hope that's not a spoiler. No, I know what you mean. Okay. Yeah, it was the win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, she can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we don't know if Lan knows. They did it together, remember? Yeah, yeah. Uh, She did it with um, a girl. With Egwene. With Egwene. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. they listened to it. I know she can tap into it. I think. Because y'all gave me a look that was like, oh, no, 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 no. No, the the look we gave you was she knows that he knows that he knows that she. We were doing (laughs) the mentality, trying to figure out what you were saying. But I do think I know what you mean. Lan might not know. There's some uncertainty from Lan about like. A, can she do this? Yeah. And then right. B, like, if he does know that she can tap in to this network of power, like, why the hell didn't you just do that? Right. So there's probably yeah. a couple things. And yeah. then the other thing is she's never faced a trollic wound before. So mm-hmm. she she's probably also uncertain about, is is this even going to do yeah, anything? What are we I don't doing? know. What are we doing here? Yeah. 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 And there's also... Like, yes. Yeah. Like this isn't reacting like any other poison I've dealt with. And I don't know if if Lan is thinking about this at all, but there is also, as we talked about in the last, I think the last pod, there is the, um, the the like Lan knows too if Nynaeve tries to tap into it, even if he knows she can, like that's real dangerous because she doesn't know what she's doing. Right. 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 And he doesn't know if she has done that before. Yeah. Like if that. So there's uh, there are all kinds of. Yeah, things We're going not on sure about with, what's going on. Yes. But this is the best option we have right now. Yes, stuff some herbs in it and let's see what happens. Pretty Sounds much, good. absolutely. Cut like to chicken. cut to Perrin walking, uh, waking up in a thunderstorm. He is in a house and in a window. Shout out to Sarah. Good eye here. In the back, you see some orange yellow eyes. I think we can start to equate this with dreams. Right. Mm-hmm. I thought he's in a dream anyway, because like, well, got, why is he going to the house? But yeah. I think if you didn't know that, you could probably tell from the eyes. He's walking around the house asking for Layla. It looks like he's in a maybe his own house or, or something. It looks like the a blacksmith's home because there's mm-hmm. a big fire pit there that he could work on. The wind's blowing. He's walking weird again. Hands are down. <laughs> wrists near the hips. Very strange look. I don't know why he walks that way. Maybe he has shoulder problems from being a blacksmith. Maybe. Maybe that's in canon. He, mm-hmm. He's going to a fire, the Smith's fire pit, and we see a wolf eating Layla. And she turns to look at him and whispers, I know. You, I, don't, you, I don't think you would have catched the I know if you were just watching it casually. I watch it on the subtitles, and the subtitles said, mm-hmm. uh, where she said, I know. Mm-hmm. One other thing, did you catch uh, what appeared behind Perrin? Kind of like super brief. No, go ahead. Okay, yeah. so as he's coming through the doorway, you get a face and the fiery eyes and like a whole body. Yeah. Like a cowled mm-hmm. body. So it was outside the window and then behind him as he crossed the threshold. So like in the house. Similar to the bat dream that we had in episode two. So it's mm-hmm. sort of the same looking figure. Got it. That's a, that's a great connection there to make for folks. Um, that I know from Layla was weird. I think is it maybe this is guilt or something from that. I'm not quite sure, but that, that was pretty strange. And it's kind of gross that 
overeating. But again, it goes to what I was talking about, which is these characters think the wolves are are not on their side. Mm-hmm. Like he clearly is scared of the wolf, right? Because he's dreaming that the wolf is eating his wife, right? It is also interesting that that like for me that scene is a direct parallel to the Trolloc eating the innards of the other Trolloc. Mm-hmm. Like they mm-hmm. are they are staged the same way. Yeah, absolutely. A lot the of inner heat in this episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The intestines look real similar. He's a real underdog. I don't think anybody would have bet on inner eating. Yeah. Inner eating and pus squeezing is yeah. what it's we've been, got for the winners of the episode. Pretty right gross there. episode so far. I mean, they probably reused those uh, those intestines from, from those scenes. <laughs> they're they're yeah, kind they of do, a little uh, fake. Yeah, Smash cuts a parent waking up and Aguina's telling them, look, the wolves are close. We got to go. So we get a, a chase scene with them and the wolves. Really cool chase scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it does look like they use some real wolves for this. There's some CGI wolves, obviously, in the chase scene, but it does look like they have actually got some wolves that they're working with. Uh, I can tell again, sorry to all the Game of Thrones references, but I, can, I just know from Game of Thrones that getting real wolves is super fucking expensive. So they, and a, and a hassle logistically, and like, it's just... It's not easy for them from a production standpoint to do this. So just mad respect for the show for going the extra mile. I liked it. Uh, cut to Matt. Uh, oh, and they run. like So Perrin and Nguyen are, are running. They get to the edge of a wood. So it's like this. It's kind of not really. Like a scrubland. It's wood. not really yeah. densely populated yeah. wood. There's no leaves on the trees. But mm-hmm. they get to the edge of that where the trees are. And the wolves stop back where the trees are. And Nguyen asks why they stop. Perrin doesn't know. He just responds that they need to keep moving. Cut to Matt and Rand. Matt, shit, it's cold. <laughs> Matt asked him to trade coats. Matt is so funny to me. He's cold. His buddy's got a nice coat. Hey, man, you want to trade coats for a while? Well, let's take turns. You want to trade coats for a yeah. while? He seems like the type of friend that you have to be on high alert for a note. Like, you can't just, like, cat. You know, like, a lot of friends you have, they'll ask you things, and your first reaction is like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, you know, you just kind of trust your friend. Can't do that with Matt. You have got to be, when he asks you a question, you have got to think about it. Because he will take literally take the coat off your back if he's cold. <laughs> I mean, it is a nice coat. It's, it's a nice a coat. It's a fine leather coat. Like, you know, it It would be nice I mean, to it's have skin. in, in sure. the, the, uh, the mountains. So Absolutely. And he does look rabby. They've done a good job with that. He does not have great... Like clothes on, like he's got Matt. Yeah. yeah. Oh Matt. yeah, he's he looking real right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Rand, Rand then says this quote from him: uh, "Think of the stories the kids will read about you one day." Matt Calton, the man who once walked while a little chilly. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Matt, you funny now? That's a new wrinkle, and it is for us too. Yeah. It's yeah. for the viewer. I mean, I it's love... a new one for the book readers mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Honestly. Never not yeah. a hint of humor. Yeah. Rand is a funny Rand was like, no. never the funny one. No. So I'm glad the they called that out as a like, yeah. hey, mm, that's yeah. a weird wrinkle. Maybe yeah. he's talking to the book readers. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I like when they do that. Yeah, the eventual they eventually get to a cliff and they look over it and it's a river, but more importantly, a town. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. They have whatever way they went, good way. Whatever way a Gwyn and Perrin went, doesn't Not seem so like much. a better way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also like the can we at least go downhill and and. Then Rand is like, see, we have downhill. And even as a city, like, I brought you to, like, the best option here. Yeah. You can stop complaining. Absolutely. I did a great job here. And then we get some <laughs> medieval-esque music as they walk up. Uh, but as they walk up, uh, when we're getting that sort of medieval music, I'm thinking, like, Renaissance fear. Like, oh, this is going to be nice. Like, someone's going to hand yeah. them a turkey leg, and they're going to be... Uh, <laughs> we're all happy. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a very concerning shot of an individual <laughs> in a cage. Now... This, I, I know just from like 
uh, other stories and, and uh, looking at stuff like this, like that have a, like from that medieval period, that's a torture device. Mm-hmm. What that person is in. That's not just a, I killed someone and put them up there. I think what they these devices are typically used for is it makes you stand up mm-hmm. for like days on end, mm-hmm. and, and you, you can, and you lit- and you literally can't even buckle your knees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is torture that that person was in, and then eventually somebody peppered him with arrows at some point. But this person is now dead. That's yep. the last thing. And Matt notices a very bright, shiny, nice stone on the individual. They, they boy, they really focus in on mm-hmm. on Matt's perspective there, and that's the end of that scene. Anything on uh, Dead Man? In the torture device. It's a pretty rock. Nope. We'll, we'll get back to it later. We sure there, will. there are things there. Yeah. Cuts to the town and it's busy. People are working, going about their business. Music's a little foreboding though. We're not, we don't get the same. After we see the dead man in the torture device, the music changes a little bit, which I appreciate it. And this mm-hmm. is like also a much dirtier, almost more like industrial E town yeah. as much as anything is here. But I mean, like I a think much it's dirtier that... town than. Um, than two rivers. Yeah. It's which, a mining town. Yes, yeah. a mining town. It seems town. like it's sort of it's a it's a pop up. It, yeah, it's a pop up like a yeah you know, like like food truck that yeah. needs a storefront for an afternoon. Pop yeah. up. Or a medieval Upton Sinclair. Like that's what we're. <laughs> so the other thing that I thought was really interesting, um, and I don't know how much you guys looked at this, but the stuff that they were mining wasn't like raw ore, and like to me it looked oh, yeah. like what they were getting and picking out and where the mining town was was basically in like a former city. Mm-hmm. And they're oh, going through ruins. They're mining yeah. as well, and they're trying to get stone or mm-hmm. whatever else they do. They're scavenging, maybe. But, yeah. And I think that they're really yeah. playing up this. There are ruins everywhere because there used to be places like Minethrim, places like Aradol, all these great cities thousands of years ago, and they're sort of living in the ruins of that civilization. Yep. Archaeologist. Well. <laughs> a certain, certain breedist. Archaeologist, yeah, I had not picked up on that. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Then we hear drink, drink, drink. So it sounds like there's. It seems like all these towns have the biggest building in this town, and all these towns is a bar. Yeah, it's the and this is big Oktoberfest looking tent, and that's where they go to because so, you know. Before you get fun. there, I do want to just comment as the horse resident, please. Expert, yeah, yes. is what horses. Exactly. So what was very cool is they used mules for these scenes. Mm. So all of the the pack animals that you saw are all mules and they actually looked fairly like appropriate for like draft animals. Oh cool. Um, so anyway, I thought that was very cool, although they didn't have any of them brain, which was a little disappointing when the horses are constantly wickering and neighing yeah. and it's like really they don't are, make that are much the noise. Constantly wickering? I think they sputter Oh, they're a lot. sputtering. In the subtitles they're sputtering, <laughs> which is very unfortunate. Okay. Yeah, I, I but don't know that I would Anyway, there are mules. That is very cool. Yeah, that yep. is cool. So maybe maybe the indication that these are working animals. Absolutely. And, uh, mm-hmm. they maybe don't have as much money in the stone. No. So they go to the town tavern where everybody is drinking. The waitress welcomes them and they sit down. She brings them some drinks. Rand immediately says, we only have enough for food. Matt's like, killjoy. What the fuck, man? <laughs> she says, well, the soup's good. Bet it isn't. Uh, Rand asks if anyone has come into the town today. And maybe, you, I don't know, somebody like a woman with a braid or a big guy. And she tells them. Uh, and I think it's interesting here that Rand, when he's like, have you seen anybody? He describes a green and parent. He doesn't say, did you see some sickly, pale-looking woman who's magic with a samurai guy? He doesn't care about Moraine and Land. He doesn't even ask about them, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, no, the only person to come through fresh is a gleeman, which is a 
phrase that maybe people had heard before. I kind of hadn't. I was able to piece together what it is. I guess it's just like a traveling entertainer, somebody who just... Yep, you are spot on. Yeah, it just kind of goes from town to town with a song and a tune and his guitar. So the guy comes out, uh, tunes his guitar up. I like that. I like that. Tuned his guitar. You Mm -hmm. got to do that, especially, you know, in that altitude. You're going to get off (laughs) of the strings a little bit. He does the... He tunes his guitar. He starts to play and sing. What do we think about this guy singing? I'm going to say little Scott Stappish from Creed... A little yeah. back. Sure. A little alt, alt 90s tone to this character. Um, as, I would say maybe even a little older. Um, I, like I, maybe a little Johnny Cash vibes. Um, you know, sort of that really raw voice. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're leaning into that. Okay. Um, I don't think, I'll just do a couple lines from the song. Uh, the colors of his morning, the darkness of his night, little grave that gave no warning, a sun that brought no light. He saw his whole world breaking, the tortured soul I met, in a prison of his making, the man who can't forget. And then we get more, but that's basically mm-hmm. basically the, the crux of this song. Yep. Uh, in the prison of his making, the man who can't forget. And he gets up and he leaves. Good song. A little short, but good song. Yeah, I mean, I think long. the key is, you know, keep him interested and get as much money as you can between songs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He, he, he goes short with it so that he mm-hmm. can get up and, and collect the tips. The waitress, she's been here, done this before. She goes, are we all going to cry or do we want another round? <laughs> ah! Everybody cheers. Guy walks around. He's getting tips from folks, but he does run into a, and very specifically touches one man. One man is like walking and he kind of positions and jockeys himself in front of him and like touches him. Like, oh, sorry about that, man. Like, and they're, they're doing way more touching than he does with anybody else. Just important. Gleeman sits down and the waitress... I'm going to call him Gleeman until we get his name. Yep. The Gleeman sits down and the waitress comes up and asks for a donation for the Gleeman. You got it? Guys, come on. Like, mm-hmm. shit, ain't, shit ain't free, all right? <laughs> and uh, Rand gives it, uh, but as Matt looks through his money sack, the Gleeman holds it up. He says, you can't trust anyone around here and motions to the guy that he had just touched. Yeah. So I think the inference here is that that guy, the guy he touched, pickpocketed Matt, and the Gleeman caught it. Which is impressive. We should be impressed mm-hmm. by that. And then was able to pickpocket it back. I'm gonna yep. call it. Yep. I'm gonna call a reverse pickpocket That's situation. Yep. The reverse you know part. Reverse no. Part, yeah. yes. so, so if if you so if that you guy watch. did bump into Matt like Earlier. just before. Yeah. yeah. yeah so. Okay. Well, I, I didn't catch that. I mean, you. They showed it. That's yeah, great. But you also yeah. could have inferred it, right? Right. Absolutely. The way that they shot it, and the way they should. He's very clearly motions like you can't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. This guy over here, right? So. Uh, Matt goes to take his sack back and whoop, Gleeman, you know, like you do the, the handshake and then the whoop right up in the air, mm-hmm. in the air, uh, with the, with the fake handshake, kind of <laughs> what he does with the, with the sack. He's like, nope, not going to give it to you. This is a donation for the Gleeman and a small fee for the life lesson. And Rand says, bloody expensive lesson, Gleeman, the best ones are. Mm-hmm. That was pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I got good vibes from this guy right away. Um, I don't know. We'll talk more about him, but like mm-hmm. when he first popped on screen, I thought, I like the cut of his jib. Not with the singing. The singing was, eh. but the, when he sat down with them and started talking, yeah. I, I got yeah. a good vibe from the guy. Yeah. They sit back down, cut to the howling plane, and we hear wolves howling in the background. Perrin and Nguyen are walking. Nguyen comments that they that they're still here. Basically, the wolves they're still around. They see fresh tracks that are deep. Now, this, these are not wolf tracks. This is some sort of like wagon, yep. Biker, yep. something that they look at the depth of the track. Because Perrin, obviously, smart guy. They look at the depth of the track and go, like, well, that's got to be carrying a lot of people. Like, that's that was a big deal, right, mm-hmm. wherever this is going. And it seems to be heading toward the White Tower. I don't know how they know that, but that's what they, they say. It's going east. east. Yeah, so they're looking to the east, and that seems to be where it's going. And also, 
like it looks fresh. I assume that you know there's a lot of yeah. freshly disturbed craft. Yeah, absolutely. Egwene says it's like the wolves are lead. She said it's almost like the wolves led us here. Mm-hmm. See, started to pick it out. The wolves are not just mindlessly <laughs> bad people. I'm telling you. Uh, Perrin says that they should hang back until they know more, and they keep off. Cut back to the bar. Good times being had by all. And Matt asks if they have enough money to pay for tonight. Rand, I have, but you got robbed. <laughs> Sucker. And yet again, Rand being funny. Yeah. It's interesting where they're going with that character. Rand tells him to get up so we can see if the barmaid has a room for him. Cut to them. They just walk in the back of this place. Pretty, pretty astonishing. I mean, I mean there doesn't seem to be a lot of security or, uh, you know, <laughs> we're not worried about health code violations. Certainly not. Here, so. <laughs> Like, no, sure. no, none of that. Um, yeah, so they go right to the barmaid, um, and she just goes, all right, with it. Get out with it. I can tell when a lad wants something. So right away, sassy barmaid. <laughs> Matt says that they throw themselves at the feet of her mercy if she would just, you know, give them a room or yeah. something. And she's like, well, go ahead. Get down. Get down there. And he's like, eh. Check out the floor. Didn't quite uh, mean that. No, so Rand steps foul. in. Says, all right, yeah, that didn't work. Let me try this. How about this? Um, we're looking for somewhere to stay cheap. We'll work to pay it off if that's possible. She says, look, Phil, save your money. I do have a job for you. And they, she takes Rand out back to start splitting wood. And Rand seems to happily take the axe. He's like, I can do this. I <laughs> fucking grow yes, on a mountain so farm. Let's do this. I wanted to point out like a really funny little tiny spot where Rand notices that, that the barmaid is chucking just all of the things that yeah. are coming yeah. right back into the soup and like some beers from patrons and all going in there. And he's just like... I ate that from oh, the earlier God. line yeah. where you know we put good. Food and she's like, oh, it's good. And now it's just like, mm. I thought it was particularly funny that before she did, before she poured the two steins of beer in there, she did sniff them to yeah. make oh, yeah. to make yeah. sure they were beer. I think was not the urine. Like, yeah. not urine. Yes, and then she did cut up a pig's foot and put that in there. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, pig's feet can be a delicacy. That's not necessarily a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. I just get the feeling that everybody's unfinished plates also. It's a bowl of brown. It's a bowl of brown. There's been meat in there for decades. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Matt's watching the waitress and Rand comments that she's a little young for you. Moraine is more your style. So there we go. We got a little insight into Matt's romantic history. It seems like older women. Rand says they they can alternate. And Matt's like, uh, you think she's up for that? And he's like, dude, the wood. I'm talking about (laughs) Gross. God, Matt. Head out of the gutter. Uh, Matt doesn't seem super interested in this chore. Uh, does not make a move for the axe, nor wood, I can say. Matt then comments that... That's a through line. Matt's not really interested in chores. Yeah, Matt then comments yeah. that Rand is the reason why we're in... You feel like you're the reason why we're in this shit town to begin with. Rand asks, uh, what's your deal? Uh, and, and Matt kind of snaps at him and says, look, do you really believe all this shit? I said I, White Tower, one of us being the dragon reborn. It's a bloody joke, the worst kind. One that has gone on way too long. He then speculates that Egwene and Perrin probably aren't even going to the White Tower. They're probably dead. Rand's like, whoa, bro, you don't believe that. Chill out. Matt's like, even if they are, you don't need to go there for her. She wouldn't do it for you. Dagger to the heart. Mm -hmm. I mean... Rand calls him a prick. Tells him to leave, so Matt doesn't. We already kind of had that conversation, and Egwene thinks that about him. So, I mean, they're clearly already... On the outs, and, and I think appropriately reading each other. I yeah. look, dude. I I don't think this is out of line from that. I mean, everything we've seen is that like a queen mm-hmm. uh, is really does choose her own personal yeah. interest over Rand, yeah, and she seems 100%. to do that all the time. If I was Matt, I probably would be pointing that out too. I'd be like, well, mm-hmm. don't don't up in your whole life. 
for this chick. For this that chick who's like care. literally the first time she got another option other than you, she took it. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. literally the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. But Rand clearly didn't appreciate it. So right. they're a little fussy. Matt walks in and the waitress asks, yeah, you finished already? He's like, ah, nah, that work is not really for me. She asks him what he can do. And he says, well, back home, I was pretty well off horse trader. Hey, everybody. Oh, thank goodness you're here. Everybody, I've got a horse trader with no horses here. Does anyone need a horse trader for no horses? Just completely blows his spot up. Very funny. She tells him no one cares about anything other than when the next beer is coming. So serve beer or chop wood. Matt, I'm usually the one drinking. Um, but she hands him some drinks and he starts to pass them out. I think this is a good chore for Matt. I'm yes, yes, yes. This seems right on his level. He, Absolutely. Uh, Later is pretty good. Extrovert, kind of personable. Uh, he, he trades some banter with the uh, patrons as he starts serving mm-hmm. drinks. So he's a barmaid with stubble. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He says something about like my razor was blunted, shaving your wife's back or something. Yeah. I don't know what he said. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, she was impressed by his little his little witty banter there, and he did get tipped. And she asks him if he's saving up for anything, and he says, "I'm just trying to get home." And she's like, "Where's that?" And Matt says, "Well, the two of us are from Barillon." Yeah. Is That's that a lie? Is that a lie? Yes. Yeah, he's lying about it where is, he's yeah. from. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, you can see west. he starts with the two rivers, and then he's like, the two of us are from. Uh, Barillon. Okay, yeah. back west. You don't know the quickest way to get back, do you? She says, well, it's by a riverboat, but you're going to need more money. He's like, well, how much? And she's like, a fucking lot. And he's like, well, I only need one ticket. So that was important, that he's already now planning mm-hmm. to leave Rant and split up even further. She says it's a shame he's going home, quote, where we're born we're born in this dirt. We spend our whole lives digging in it until one day they cover us up with a few shovelfuls of the same stuff. All these bastards know everything about me. The ones that have stuck around have known me since I was a girl. So basically, she's kind of sharing townie life and this idea of like, man, it'd be nice to go somewhere else. Um, mm-hmm. you, know, also, you, you are somewhere else, man. I also read that as a little bit, it'd be nice to interact uh we'll see how far that goes with somebody that's not from the town and didn't grow up with me yeah absolutely. Um, so yep she's she's proud of him it seems yes yeah, yeah, yeah multiple yeah. times multiple yeah. times she's but proud. i do also like i i really like this interaction and you know we'll talk about what is actually going on with this character later but like i throughout this episode I really deeply empathize with her. I yeah. get where she's coming from, and I kind of get what has led her decision making where she ends, where up. She ends yeah. up. Yeah, I think they did a really good job with this character. I mm-hmm. also love the way the actress plays this character. Yes. I was going to say a, a little disappointed dark friends. Her. Jesus Christ, <laughs> Sarah, Dana, fan of the dark one. <laughs> I was unhappy that we only get it, that she's killed off so quickly, and really liked how this actress oh, interesting. Per, like mm-hmm. did in this role. I thought she was yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah, she had like she had the way she carried herself was really good. Um, mm. Apart from anything else, she pontificates about how nice it would be to some, be somewhere new. Matt says, uh, "Well, I'm gonna get back somewhat. I'm gonna get back some kind of way here. I'm gonna beg, borrow, steal." She says, "You might want to think about the last one, unless you end up in a cage." So referencing the, the fellow that they saw on the way in. Mm-hmm. Cut back to the forest, and we see Moraine still asleep, still not looking great. Nynaeve is telling Land that the poison was nothing like she's ever seen before. She says, "I worry." Dot dot dot. Land cuts her off and says, I'll be back. She sort of panics. What happens to what happened to watching my every move? Which I, she's so funny, right? Like she can't even say like, whoa, man, I don't really want to separate out here in these woods. Instead, she's got to like be super aggressive and be like, well, why are you being fucking? I'm like killer. <laughs> yeah. Why are you like talking out of both sides of your mouth? Dude? Like, why are you like, she can't fucking <laughs> like just ask a like normal question of this guy. But anyway, Land takes off. He tells her uh, she'll keep Moraine safe uh, and 
Team needs to go. Nynaeve, uh, don't be so sure. Land takes off. Cut back to Perrin and Egwene. They are walking in the tracks they found. So they're just following these tracks. Mm-hmm. Perrin tells her to let him go first. He'll come back if it's safe. Right? <laughs> Look at that. Chivalry not dead, folks. <laughs> shipping. I'm shipping. He pushes her to do that. Um, and she said, look, you don't, look, look, Perrin, don't do that. You don't have to protect me, all right? It's not your fault what happened. Perrin says it is. I think we all know what Perrin is talking about. Yeah. Egwene's talking about something different. She hugs him and says it's not your fault. Perrin seems really distressed during this conversation. I think the weight of the trauma of killing his wife is on him. That um, near stairs. He's, like, looking out, like, above her right. head. Mm-hmm. Pretty yeah. tough. And, and, you know, Egwene, because she's developing serious romantic feelings for Perrin, obviously, <laughs> yes. uh, comes in for the hug. Yeah, so it's very important. Uh, she tells them they need to go and they keep walking. They eventually get to a forest. They hear crackling. They turn around. They see a group of people. Aguin yells, what do you want? A lady in the group says, do you know the song? She repeats herself multiple times as they walk toward them. Aguin holds out a knife and questions her. One of the guys says, look, they don't know it. Or they'd already sung it already. Then he says, your welcome warms our spirit as your fires warm the flesh. But we do not know the song. That's the important bit. Go on. Say it. Aguin says it. Parent repeats it. The lady says, uh, then we seek still as it was, so it shall be if we but remember, seek and find. I'm Isla. This is Rain. You both look awful. <laughs> uh, Sarah, you dressed as these folks. Do you want to talk about who they are? These uh, gypsy adjacent characters that have been introduced? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I can talk a little bit about them because we do meet them in the first book, so I do know a little bit of, mm-hmm. about them. And I think that this is one of the points I want to bring up specifically on our second half of this podcast but they are i mean they are they are traveling people um and please brie and bj jump in with any extra knowledge you think is is helpful here but they are traveling people and they are um you know their life's mission is to be on this quest for the song that they like would you call it the like the story of the world the prime mover of the world like what it's actually not clear what song they're actually looking Uh for um I mean, you, you get hints of it in the yeah. book, what song it is. Yeah. But no, it's not yeah. new here, which is what I yeah. want to talk about yeah. the yeah. second part. But yeah. I think it's not, like, spoilery to say that, like, we have this one song reference that does not get right. referenced again, really. They know this. many, so, many songs, this, but they yes. do not know the song. Right. The so, song, yeah. Like, yeah, I would, like, I think they did capitalize song in the, the subtitles, and I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Wait, so, yes, that is, that is appropriate. Like, this is sort of, like, almost, I think you're supposed to interpret this as a religious greeting, basically. Which it kind of... Or at least just a very stereotype. I, I would call it a ritual. As, yeah, ritual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Religion has a little bit of codification to it that I don't think necessarily right. applies here, but it, it is it is certainly a ritual greeting. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, I think they're gypsy adjacent people that we've been introduced to. They're travelers. They look yep. sort of scrangly, but they are, you know, nicer than maybe the reputation. They're very nice. I would also say that they, no that they maybe look a little scraggly as especially when they're just standing there, but when we get back to their camp, like they have potted plants out and rugs on the ground. So I, I think they've got it a little more together than Little nomad yeah. land. Mm-hmm. Nomad yeah, like land. I think they have a system. They're yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're not just wandering. They know how to they work that Winnebago. So did this tick the they're not as clean as no no i believe this from them because they have like a specific way of life that they are and they look like they live yeah that that this is how they live whereas our plucky gang of people are just run and should 
Although I will say that they they are right. Um, Perrin and Egwene look awful, and that was appropriate. It's everybody else who has yeah. stayed cleaner than they should. Right, and so I think like both the 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 Tuathan, the the tinkers look kind of dusty. They don't like look dirty. But yes, they, they look like they've been traveling, but they're still put together. Whereas Egwene and and Perrin look. But draggled. This yes. is just yeah. gypsy, gypsy, gypsy. Everything you're describing is exactly <laughs> like it's perfect. Like there you go. Okay, anyway, um, or at least like that that sort of trope that we get in a right. lot of yeah. media yeah. of those types of of, yeah. of band of travelers. Right. Yeah. Cut to Aguin and Rand, uh, or not Aguin and uh, Perrin arriving at the camp. Aguin is arm in arm with them as they walk. Just want to point that out. They're covered with a blanket. Put and they're put toward a fire. They're given food. Uh, Aguin asks who they are. Come on now. Our reputation precedes us wherever we go. Uh, the guy in the group responds, and ill-earned. It's ill-earned, that reputation. We are the Tuathan. Mm-hmm. That's what they are. Is that about That's right? That's what they call themselves. Yeah. Tuathan. Tuathan. What? Tuathan. 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 Uh, no. Anyway, Tuathan, the traveling people. Uh, Aram is one of the guys there. He makes a joke. The people who steal your gold and your children. I don't think that's true, but that was pretty funny. He asked if they've heard of the Tinkers. So I guess that's another name for them. It is. Tinkers. Yes. And that's what most so people just kind of out in the world know them as Tinkers. Right. And and so Tinkers is a little bit, it, it's sort of genocide and, and not genocide, sort of depending on how you're referring to them. But this does feed into the trope of like they repair pots and, and stuff like that. Very like similar gypsy, gypsy vibe that, that you're getting. Yeah. Um, and as far as stealing children, I think it's not unreasonable to say they have a certain way of living and so if they are near a village and the young people of that village like really get invested in the way that these people are living and believe sort of their system then they could leave with the tinkers when the tinkers leave the village imagine like hippies following a band yeah and, you know like a, an older teenager is kind of like hey that looks awesome like, Bye. I'm, I'm gonna like i'm gonna go hang know. with the deadheads for a while Absolutely. exactly exactly yeah. so so I think we might, we'll probably get a little bit more Philly in it because they'll probably right. be along with these people for a little there bit is a whole there's a whole sort of, like I said, belief system that these people have. Yeah, uh, yeah, that makes sense. And the lady tells them that their flyers are open to all as long as they need them. Aram and you two look like you need them. Cut back to Mr. Testosterone Rand. He's just getting a nice upper body workout in, splitting that wood. The waitress tells him, look, that's enough. We got enough wood probably for the next year. Matt asked if they can stay, uh, Rand asked if they can stay out there a bit, but she says, uh, I'll do you one better. She tells them that they've earned a real, real bed, real, real place to stay inside. So I will say that this is a significant departure from the books and has made probably about half the people watching really sad because in the books, there's a scene that's almost exactly like this where Rand does this shirtless. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure very disappointing. Actually, I went the other way on this because I was like, I expected we were going to get the obligatory shirtless because he's, I mean, but and you, I was you, like, you're a horror fan of Tom Berlin. So, so let's, it's true. You go older, yes. just like Matt goes yes. older. Yeah. <laughs> I understand Matt in this situation. Yeah, you're not going to want that kid with a shirt. No, he's like no. 12. I don't need him shirtless he's, in this yeah, scene. He's like adorable, he's not to- sexy. Totally yeah. like 23, 4. But yeah, okay. Uh, good. Yeah. Might as well be 12. Doesn't want that shirt off with that guy. But I mean, it, I think the point's still there, right? That he's like clearly like being the only yes. 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 The waitress kind of yes. calls him on it and is like, that's enough, dude. But she takes him inside. And uh, when they get there... She starts asking him questions, sort of insinuating that he and Matt are in a relationship. Rand sort of laughs that off and corrects her. 
he says, if I wanted a man, I could do better than that, basically. Uh, a couple things there. One is, it's interesting that in this world, I guess, there there is open homosexuality because she just openly assumed that. She didn't even feel uncomfortable at basically asking him. Or, yeah. Through her insinuating right. questions, she was kind of asking him. And you can tell from Matt's reaction, it's not anything to be offended about, right? Because Matt was just kind of like, eh, it's just not, not for Brand. me, but, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. So I think the introduction there is that there's homosexuality in this world and it doesn't seem, at least right now, that people are like super weird about it. Rand says, um, uh, she, as she's about to leave, she gives him two beers and she goes to leave and he says, why don't you just drink Matt's? He's buggered off somewhere. So hang out here and drink this. Unless you don't drink on the job. And she's like, totally drink on the job. Like 98% of waitresses <laughs> yes. all over the planet. Cut to Lan riding through the woods. Beautiful early morning shot. Then we see Lan ride his horse right up to the cliff. No, sir. Not for me. <laughs> nope. If you uh, follow any of my podcasts, you know I am not a fan of heights and he gets way too close to that why does he make it that close it was just there for the pretty shot because that's just sort of very silly because also I feel like the horse wouldn't do those are sort of real dumb and they no the horse would 100% do it if it's a well trained horse but the the rocks that they're on like the shale like I could see that slipping and like there goes Mandar bye all kinds of problems but he's scouting one less Frisian he's clearly scouting Cut back to Nynaeve, who is tending to Moraine's wound. She seems to be starting to wake up. Moraine, Moraine's got mm-hmm. little sounds of life here. She's whispering something. Leanne comes back, says uh, what they found. They, they found what they're looking for. And asks if she can ride. Nynaeve says the poultries, poultice, poultice, yeah. poultice, will give her energy for a few hours. But after that, meh. So in essence, what she's saying is like, I've done, I kind of patched her up a little bit here. But I'm not sure if she's really fixed or not. Then we see Moraine's, Moraine's eyes open, and we cut scenes. Now to Matt, who's waking, um, walking up to the person who was killed in the cage, that standing torture device thing that I talked about before that seems to be on the like outskirts of town. Matt takes out a knife, and we hear, What are you doing, boy? It's the Gleeman. Matt takes out his knife, points it at him. Matt says, uh, I could ask the same of you, Gleeman. The Gleeman says, Well, um, if you mess with that, if you do anything with that knife, you're going to be like lights out before you even hurt me, basically. Uh, in essence, what he's saying is, I'm laying in this situation, okay? <laughs> I can handle your business right now. And Matt, I've survived Trollocs. I've not survived Trollocs to die at the hands of a singer. Interesting, he kind of threw that out. Do you think that was kind of like a, a fought bigger men before sort of thing? Like, kind of like a macho, like, I've fought Trollocs, dude. You don't want to play with me. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's what it is. Um, there's a lot that was in the books about these boys that. I don't know if they're trying to hint at with some of the conversations that they have in mm-hmm. terms of like how comfortable they are with weapons or at least like maybe knives and you know basic things that they would have in town. Um, but this does kind of seem like a boast with what we've seen in the show. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're trying to like bring that in or like they could go either way. Again, this is sort of one of those things that there's a lot of stuff that's streamlined. So the other thing that I would say about this, too, is it seems like Matt's just thrown out this, like, well, I've I've messed with Trollocs. And in the books, there is some, you know, commentary or the boys learn that they shouldn't just say things. Mm-hmm. Like, they need to learn to lie and not say, oh, I know what a Trolloc is. Because to everybody else, like, if you know what a Trolloc is, you're probably a dark friend. Mm-hmm. Like, you're somebody bad. 
That was my thought. Is like that might not be a thing you yeah. lead with. Like, yeah. hey man, and I so I think it's interesting that he just tossed that out there because that's a very like consistent with the books. Like, and we do get that this reaction from Tom that I, I think you're gonna yep. say yep. right now. Yeah, he says, um, "Well, first off, dude, I'm not here for you. I'm here to bury the dead guy. But what kind of farm boy from Two Rivers is not a truck? Now that's like, who says I'm from Two Rivers? He's been lying." He's not told anybody he's from Two Rivers. Gleeman mm-hmm. says, it's written all over you. Your speech, your dress, your asinine attitude, stubbornness, mule. Uh, pretty funny. Gleeman tells Matt to help him get the dead guy down. Matt asks what he did. And then the Gleeman starts to explain the story. He says, this isn't justice. I heard them in town bragging about killing an isle. Ale? Isle. Isle? It's A-I-E-L. Isle. I'm going to say. Matt, he's an isle? And Gleeman, am I saying it wrong? Ale? We've been saying it wrong for 20 years, so... Aiel is... Yeah, I, I think... Aiel? Aiel is how they're doing it in the show. All right, let, let's try, try to stay consistent with that then. He says, um, uh, Matt, he's an Aiel. Gleeman, aren't many things outside of accent and dress that will tell you where a person's from? That was a pretty astute thing mm-hmm. to say. Uh, but it's rare to see that color of hair outside the Aiel waist. Got red hair. So uh, there we go. We're starting to get some backstory and lore in this canon, which is, you got red hair, you're probably an Aiel. Mm-hmm. Gleeman says he knows uh, they're fighters. Oh, uh, Matt Matt uh, says, okay, Aiel. And then he immediately reacts and says, well, I heard they're as bad as Trollocs. And Gleeman says, well, uh, I know you've probably heard that. They're fighters, but they're honor-bound fighters. He makes the point that it's only when they're veiled that you should worry. Again, we're, they, I love how they're peppering in all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, the casual's not going to remember all this stuff, but they are giving us some stuff that I'm sure we're going to need to know later, which is... You know, basically, these Aeels, they are fighters, but only when they're veiled, you need to worry. If they're unveiled, you're probably okay. That's, uh, he talks about when they're veiled, uh, that's when you're as good as dead, basically. Now, he was no threat. He was murdered by cowards who feared something they didn't understand. So, in essence, what seems to have happened here is this Aeel who was unveiled, so not a threat, not there to fight, the reputation of the Aeel sort of preceded them, and the people of the town freaked out and killed them. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm picking up. Clement asks him again, dude, I'm going to ask you one more time. What are you doing here? Matt finally drops the pretense. I need money to get home. Thought he might have some. Not like he's going to need it. I thought there's no... I, I was sure that the Gleeman was going to be like... Uh, he, he's there to bury him, right? Yeah. Like He obviously respects the dead. I thought there was no way he was going to let Matt do this. And he just goes, we've all had desperate moments. Tell me when you're finished. And he walks away to let Matt rob the body. I mean, I kind of like that they're going this way with Tom Maryland because it's very he's super practical like super super practical and he's like I get it and like you're clearly needing like needing help in this world and I'm I'm not gonna like up just bail you out of every situation so like I get it okay I also thought I I really liked this moment and BJ I thought in addition to that what it really did for me especially the way this actor portrayed this line, delivered this line, is that it tells me a lot about Tom Marilyn's backstory too. Um, and about like where he has come from. Um, and because I believed in that moment that he has been in that desperate situ- right. situation. He's before. hit like rock that, bottom. That is from personal experience, not just something you say. Probably. Yeah, I take that too. Mac, it's, Matt goes to the body, he takes this stone that we saw before. The stone is kind of, um, it looks like almost like quartz or something. It's like white on the outside, but there's a there's a purple center to like it. Like an amethyst mm-hmm. maybe yeah. or yeah. something like that, yeah. Um, then he tells the body, which I thought was pretty interesting. I've got sisters I need to take care of. So I think he's feeling a little guilt of robbing the dead. A little bit. He does have one other thing 
which won't mean anything to you and is just a call-out to people that have read the books, mm -hmm. which is a uh, little stone figurine of a dog. Um, and that's past where Sarah's read, I think. So yeah. um, yeah. Okay. it was a little call-out, something that it might be worth, you know, you don't have a wall like Spencer with, you know, all the, the red lines connecting all of the things that you need to, you know, pay attention to later. But if you remember probably like, a couple seasons down the road, you'll be like, oh, that's cute that they put that in there. Figurine of a dog. Yep. yep. Got it. Okay. Matt announces he's done. Then the Gleeman says, if you're going to take from the dead, at least you can bury, at least you can do is bury him. So he's like, you're going to, you're, I'll let you do this, but now you're going to help me bury mm -hmm. this guy. Cut to the waitress named Dana. We get the name in the scene. She's asking Rand if he's from Barillon as well. And Rand's like, well, why would you say that? She's like, well, Matt said you're from Barillon. And Rand's like, yeah, yeah, I'm from Barillon. Yeah, yeah, totally. Barillon, so Barillon, adorably Barillon. stupid. That's me, that's me. Uh, she's like, well, why'd you leave? Why'd you leave? And he says, well, we needed to get away. She asks if they're in trouble. She asks again where he's going. And he says, east. She says, well, maybe I can help you, Dana. And here I am, just hearing what I want to be seen. Rand, seen what? Dana, stone of tears, the lion throne of Camille. Kemlin. Kemlin, mm -hmm. an Ogier steading. Yep. Maybe even a Trollic. So uh, I'm guessing this is just tick through a shit from the books. And what she's saying is, I'm listening to your stories and I, I just want to hear that you have gone and saw cool things that I wish I could go do, in essence, is what she's saying to this guy. We're gonna ask her why why don't you why don't you leave? Like why if you're you know, this hard up for a road trip, why don't you just go? And she says, Well, the wheel hasn't given me many choices and the ones I've made have left me here. Rand says, he never gave much thought to the wheel before this. He's trying to do what's right. Now, I don't know. I don't know what's right. I don't know what to do. I don't know shit, really. Join the club, Rand. <laughs> she's a little bit more uh, introspective in, in, in this version than in the book. That, that he's like, okay, yeah, I don't really know anything. Comes to this much earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She leans in to kiss him, and he backs away immediately and starts to apologize. I'm just going to say this. Completely, completely unrealistic. Absolutely, this guy. Like... Come on, he's first off. He's not really in a relationship with Queen, not nope. really. And well, he is, maybe but he she really is. Does like that. Like I don't know. <laughs> no, I, how old? This guy's maybe twenty years old. Yeah, sure. That's yeah. what yeah. they yeah. said. Yeah, that, that's with the age thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he'd have taken a run at this waitress mm -hmm. all oh, day, every day. Yes. I hung out with a lot of twenty-year-olds in my day. I'll tell you, <laughs> taking a run at this waitress, I never told anybody about it. So that that is unrealistic. So. Yes. 